Hello guys, here's the Athletic School. Our guest speaker this time is Katie. She's the coach from men's volleyball in Lawrence Tech. We spoke about her professional career as a volleyball player, how she builds culture in her team, and her experience in college as well. I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, so yeah, go ahead. All right, let's go. Thank you so much, Katie, to give yeah. me time to be here with us. And I would like to start asking you a little bit of your journey, journey inside volleyball. Why did you start, how did you start playing? And how did you end up in college? And we go from there. Sure. Uh, yeah, I have a little bit of a unique journey. Um, I started playing volleyball in high school, uh, a little later than most uh, kids, you know, in the States. A lot of these kids get specialized, get started very young. Um, I actually started in high school because I went to a high school uh, that was new to me and my mom told me I had to play volleyball to meet friends. So um, <laughs> that's how I started. Um, I wasn't really into volleyball. I was, uh, a or I was a softball athlete and a basketball athlete. Um, and I started playing volleyball and, you know, fell in love with it and kind of dropped softball, dropped basketball, stuck with volleyball, um, ended up, you know, playing in the juniors, you know, club circuit here in the States, uh, got recruited to play uh, division one at George Washington University, which is in Washington, DC. Um, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know if I said that, um, but in Washington, DC, uh, played there for four years. I was a middle blocker. Um, so, you know, I was actually a little smaller for a middle blocker, but I was fast. So that was my advantage. <laughs> um, and I always knew when I uh, went to play um, at, at GW, I always knew I wanted to have a pro career. It was a dream of mine. Um, when we were at GW our freshman year, um, we had the, uh, the opportunity to actually go play overseas for our spring break our freshman year. Um, we went to Italy um, and we got to play a bunch of teams over there and it was a ton of fun. And I, I was right from there. I was like, I want to play pro. Um, but I had a little bit of a hiccup. I My second to last career game at GW, I tore my whole knee apart. I Yeah, ACL, MCL, meniscus, um, right as I was finishing school. So I had to have surgery. Uh, I took a year after college to really, you know, rehab, I coached some club, hung out in the States. Um, and then I got my first pro contract to play in Finland. Um, and then after that, I had uh, the opportunity to play in Switzerland. Um, and from there I came home, I, you know, got into coaching, um, started coaching uh, NCAA division three at Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago. Um, I was the women's coach there for four years. And then as I was the women's coach after my first year, uh, I started the men's NCAA Division III program there. Um, so I was the men's coach for three years. Um, and from there, I went and um, got a job as the assistant coach and recruiting coordinator at Brown University for their women's team, uh, which is a Division I school uh, in Rhode Island. Um, I was there for three years, and now I am at Lawrence Tech University as the head men's coach um, in Detroit, Michigan. So, and that's how we met. <laughs> cool. That's that's that sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a journey. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
Um, so uh, you said a lot of things interesting and coming back a little bit, you mentioned about your knee injury and like it was right before you finished college. So my question is, how was your mind when you got the injury? Because you were planning to go pro, right? So yeah. how did you handle all that? And after that, you, still after you, went yeah, pro, you still yeah. went pro. So, so how did you do it? Yeah, uh, it was a real shock and a real bummer. <laughs> um, honestly, when it happened, I was actually having my best career match. We were in set four. Uh, like I said, one of the last games of our uh, of our season, and we were in set four, and I was having I had the most blocks I've had in my college career, and I had the most kills. And then I went down. It was really a bummer. Um, but yeah, I mean, my mindset. To be honest with you, right afterwards, I was really, I was really out of it. I was really bummed, you know, that our team was, uh, it knocked us out of the opportunity to go to our conference tournament. So our season just had a really rough end to my senior year, my culmination of my entire, you know, career. Uh, but I think it made me even more determined to play professionally because I felt like I was gypped <laughs> my senior season. So I, I wanted to play even more. Um, and so I got surgery and I had, I was really lucky to be able to take advantage of this or the, um, training, um, staff at GW, even though I was a graduated athlete. Um, so I did a ton of knee rehab, um, which is, you know, for anybody who's been through that injury, it's not fun. It's not easy. Um, but I got back into it, you know, as quickly as I could. Um, and yeah, I think it was just a lot of persistence. I really reached out to everyone and anyone I knew who had connections playing overseas or who had played overseas. Um, I, you know, put highlight reels together. Um, I really did everything I could to just get as, as much exposure as possible. Um, and my first year in Finland, I actually didn't play, you know, I didn't get the best contract that I could have possibly gotten because of my injury, because I was kind of out of the game. Um, but then when I went and played in Finland, you know, I really used that opportunity to kind of elevate, you know, my name, kind of put some stats behind my name, you know, get some better film to be able to go play in a better league in Switzerland. So. Oh, that's nice. And it's something nice that you said, like, you, like you got injured and you said that you got more determined to play, yeah. wanted even more. And that's something nice, like to share because Sometimes something bad happens to you, like you kind of give up or say it's not for me. And with you it was exactly the opposite. Like you, something happened to you and you took that and like you got stronger, you say like, yeah, and that's nice. Yeah. And it's funny, I don't think it was ever in my mind that I wouldn't get better. I feel like a lot of athletes have that, you know, you get hurt and it's like, okay, I just got to get through this and then I'm, I'm back on the court. And so for me, it was, It was never a question that I was going to play again. Um, it was just trying to figure out how to get through that time. Mm -hmm. And so you went to a better league, you said, that's what in Switzerland. And yes. How was it? How was the season? Oh, it was awesome. It was a great experience. Um, Switzerland, I played in Luzerne, Switzerland, which is uh, unlike the Swiss German side. So everybody there spoke Swiss German. Um, but it was a really great league. We played really great competition. Um, you know, we played some of the best teams in Switzerland. Um, yeah, it was NLA, really, really great experience. Um, 
yeah, so I was really lucky to be able to play that league for sure. Yeah, and for how long did you play professional? So two years total. Um, I had a short career for sure. Um, for me, I I wanted to play professionally. I like, you know, I majored in geography in college. I really loved the idea of getting out and seeing the world and seeing where volleyball could take me. Um, but then after that, I was, you know, excited to get back to the States um, and, you know, try something different. I think a lot of folks, I don't know, I don't know if this experience is similar to a lot of people who play pro, but playing pro can be kind of lonely sometimes because you're in a new country where you don't really know anyone um, and you're just, it's just volleyball all the time, which is great. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of tough. You're kind of putting your life on hold, um, you know, to, to pursue that dream, which uh, I was just really lucky. Loved the time that I did it, but I was ready to, I was ready to hang it up after that. So when you decided like that you didn't want to play pro anymore, you knew that you wanted to be a coach already or you had some other options? Yeah, to be honest, like that transition, I wasn't sure whether or not I was ready to be done or if I was going to come back for another season um, or if I was going to coach um, or pursue something else. I actually was thinking about pursuing um, some grad programs um, to go into some you know kind of some different fields not coaching um but i got the opportunity to coach in chicago um and while i was there i kind of that that opportunity kind of led me to like stick with coaching i didn't realize that i really wanted to be a coach mostly because i feel like i'm one of those people and you know as a coach i, I get this way i i really love to you know, kind of show what I do. I love to be in the action. Um, you know, so for me being a coach, I was like, I don't know if I can be on the sidelines while everybody else plays. I don't know if I can do that. Um, but, you know, I think in coaching, it's just, a, it's a whole different aspect. You're kind of, you're the, you know, the tactical aspect of things. You're the, you know, the brain behind everything. So it's just a little different, but I like the challenge for sure. Yeah. Um, just a little before you, we go into your, your coaching, um, how was the, like the biggest difference between playing professional and playing college was like the mentality was different or the intensity was different. How, how was that experience? Yeah, I would say it was in different countries. It had, you know, different cultures. Um, it was different across the board. Um, But in Switzerland, I would say that uh, the biggest thing is in college, you know, everybody's 18 through 21 for the most part. So everybody's pretty young. Whereas in the professional realm, you know, you have people who are 18 years old, but then also people who are 40 playing on the same team. Um, and so there's a maturity aspect to it. Um, you know, it's not like coaches barking at players. It's more of like a, a collaboration. Um, and players really have, which I really appreciated and picked up on when I was playing pro was, you know, the players really have their own um, goals and their own, you know, mindset and where they want to be. Whereas sometimes in the States, in the college realm, I feel like kids just want things handed to them. Like, you know, just give me the practice plan, give me, you know, um, the lifting plan, you know, give me the strength and conditioning, all that. Um, whereas I feel like in the pro realm, people kind of take the initiative to take it on themselves more often than not, um, which I really appreciated. It's just kind of a little bit more professional <laughs> atmosphere, right? Just, you know, it's a job. And so people show up and treat it like such. So. Uh, and when you went to another country, 
were you ready for all these kind of differences or it was just something that you you learned when you were there and you just handle in a, in a good way yeah you've just learned it while you're there um for sure i think i don't think i was prepared um for the differences um but i think i think for me you know wanting to play pro and you know dealing with my injury like i had to i had to take the initiative i had to do things all on my own and kind of get myself out there um and so i think you know being in the same atmosphere being in that atmosphere wasn't really tough for me because you know i wanted to be pushed i wanted to um you know get out there and take advantage of this this opportunity so I don't know if that makes sense, but I wasn't I wasn't like intimidated or anything by the environment because it was what I wanted. It was what I was expecting. No, yeah, for sure. I think that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah, that we always talk. Um, some of the the best athletes or coaches, when they have like a, a a goal that they want to achieve and that goal is clear, you know, you usually don't um, don't get like a you know, like you know, nothing bothers you. You are just ready to go all the time. And you are just there to to learn and to win and do whatever it takes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah no, that makes sense. And mm -hmm. I, I like that. Go ahead. So, yeah, moving to your coaching career, mm -hmm. you went to a D3 school, right? Mm -hmm. And you spent there one year? Four years. Four years. Okay. Yes. How was the experience over there? Um, good. So we, like I said, we, uh, I took over as a women's coach and then I started the men's program. Um, and so we were kind of building the men's program, which was a ton of fun um, to build something from scratch and put our name on it. Um, uh, I think, you know, the D3 realm, for, especially for men's volleyball, because not that many schools have men's volleyball as opposed to women's volleyball where everybody has women's volleyball. So like there's, uh, I feel like for men's volleyball, the level at D3 is really, really competitive. Um, and so it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a lot of fun to recruit, um, you know, some big players into our gym and get the thing off the ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, I liked that experience. I wanted to, after uh, being at uh, Illinois Tech, I wanted to get back into D1 because I played D1. Um, and nothing against D3 athletes. I think they work super hard. And I think that a D3 athlete, one athlete, I think there's really no difference. I've, I've had players who've worked a ton harder at the D3 level than the athletes I've had at the D1 level. Um, but I wanted to get to that just higher level of play um, on the women's side. So that's why I, I went over to, to Brown and coached the D1 level. Also, you were talking about players that work really hard and even harder than the others. And when someone in your team is not working that hard, how do you approach him? How do you talk to him, like to bring him back and make him work like harder? Yeah, that's a good question. That's like one of the classic coaching dilemmas, right? Um, I think for through my career, I've gone through a lot of different methods <laughs> in that. I used to be one of those coaches who just was like, you know, get on the line, you know, we're going to run this out until you try harder. Um, and all I ended up with was really grumpy, really tired athletes, and it really didn't get me anywhere. Um, and so I think, you know, now having a little bit of, um, you know, experience and coaching for a while, I've realized that you really can't teach someone's motor 
you can't teach how much they want to be there. You can't coach, um, you know, their passion for the game. You can't. So it really comes down to recruiting the kids who want to be there, the players you want in your gym, um, and really identifying that in the recruiting process. Um, and, you know, I, if I'm not going to coach, I'm not going to, you know, basically make you run if you're not trying hard enough. This is a college gym, right? Like I'm a college coach. Uh, and I think, you know, from my professional experience, I want to run it as though we're all professionals here. We're showing up for a job. We're putting in the work. Um, and so I, if, you know, if I do have a player like that, everybody has their off days, right? So um, I would definitely pull them aside and be like, hey man, what's going on? Like, where are you at today? You know, what's, what's in your head? Kind of try to get to the bottom of it. Um, if I can, and, you know, then, you know, if there's a real issue, address it with them, try to get through it, you know, okay, I know you're dealing with this outside volleyball, let's get through this practice and we'll talk after. Um, and then if there's not, right, if they're just in a crap mood and they're bringing down the, the gym, I'm just going to ask them to leave. Like, it's just not something that, you know, I'm, I'm here to show up for all my players. And if there's one bad egg that day, that's kind of bringing down the vibe of the entire gym and we can't get something accomplished, I'm going to eliminate that from, um, from the practice. Um, but again, I think that meeting the player where they're at, right? Like I'm, I'm here to serve my players. So, um, you know, I, I go into it. I go into it expecting the best from all of them, expecting that they're all there to work their hardest to show up every day. But every once in a while, they're gonna have a tough day. Like nobody's showing up just to be a jerk. Like, you know, they're showing up with a lot of baggage. And so meeting them where they're at, trying to get to the bottom of that. Um, and then if you can't, yeah, I just gotta cut cut the virus out, <laughs> get them out, <laughs> so. Right. Um, you had experience working with men and women. So does your approach change at all uh, with one or another or is it about the same, how that works? That's a good question. Um, I get that one a lot too. I think, I think uh, the common misconception is that men are less emotional than women. Um, I find that's not very true in a lot of ways. <laughs> it was something I, I expected. And then as I started coaching men, I was like, oh, okay, we still have a ton of emotion over here. It's just, you know, it's different. Right. Um, so I would say, I, I honestly, I do. I coach my athletes the same. I coach them, I approach them all as, you know, we're trying to get to a common goal together, uh, you know, as professionals, I meet them where they're at. Um, the one thing I would note, I do notice that is a little different. I'm not sure if this is if you, something you guys have experienced too, but um, when I coach women on the women's side, I find that um, they're like, it's a lot of collaboration. The women's side, the women athletes like, uh, to be asked, you know, like, how does this feel? Like, what are you thinking? Um, and they like to be, you know, collaborators in the experience. Whereas I feel like sometimes on the men's side, uh, guys just want to know, like, tell me what to do and I'll do it and let's go. Like, let's just go. Whereas it's like, if I ask them, like, how did that feel? They're like, I don't know. I just hit the ball. Let me just keep going. So it's one of those things where guys just want to be given the information to make them better, to get to the place that they need to be. Whereas women kind of want to, they want to like be involved in the process. Help me out. Help me get there. So that's the biggest difference. Um, honestly, but like in terms of like coaching them differently, not really because, you know, we're all this, we're all athletes. We all deal with stress. We all deal with things the same way. It's just, you know, we all have personalities approaching it. So, yeah. I never 
Never heard that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys notice that? Like in like when you how you prefer to be coached? Like, I don't know. Do you rather just someone tell you like this is what you have to do? Let's go. Let's do it. I agree that I think that's the best way for me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> tell me what you do, and I don't need to to think about it. That's the best there way to be an athlete. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think uh, the guys they don't really like to think too much about it. Yeah. So it's. I think it's just automatic, and even like uh, when we have a, a coach that just tell us what to do, it's kind of you know we are always expecting them to tell us what to do. Right, exactly. Nobody, that, I think that that's the the biggest thing because nobody really asks us like, oh, what do you think about it? That's why they say, I don't know. Nobody never asks <laughs> that question. <laughs> that's right. a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So I'll keep asking the guys that even if they don't know. I'll just <laughs> right. Yeah. One day they they will answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. And now then we went to another school right after this. It, it was one year, right? Doing the... at Illinois Tech after Illinois Tech. Yes. Yes, I went to Brown University in Rhode Island, which is NCAA Division One, the women's side. Mm -hmm. um, I was there for three years um assistant coach and recruiting coordinator there mm -hmm. so and so when you were recruiting what is the like the biggest thing that you look in an athlete like the first thing that you look at it yeah i mean other than them being like six eight and you know be able to bounce <laughs> balls <laughs> um you know i think in terms of the intangibles like you know things that um they can can't get or just personality and things like that uh, I think we kind of already had touched on it is the motor, like mm -hmm. them, you know, being um, the driver of their own experience, like guys or um, women who are passionate, who want to be there, who are the ones like on the court who are directing things, um, you know, players that just have, you know, just a presence about them on the court. Um, and that doesn't necessarily need to be like the loudest guy in the gym or the quietest guy in the gym, you know, for certain positions, you know, my middles, I love my middles to just be, you know, big, goofy, crazy, get a block and get in people's faces. But, you know, my outsides, they need to have a little bit more composure than that, right? Because they're going from service eve to swinging to service eve to swinging and doing all sorts of things. So um, it's just, I like to have a lot of conversations with the recruits that I, um, that I go after. Um, and just really get to know them and see what is their, you know, reasoning for playing volleyball. Why are they here? What are their goals? Um, you know, and do we align in what we, you know, want me as a coach and them as a player? Um, like I said, I just, I don't want a bunch of players in my gym every day where I have to be the one driving them. I want them to come in with the vision to get better, um, to want to win a championship. Um, so that I can just kind of provide the roadmap, right? I'm here to help you do that thing, but I want you to be the one who, you know, really wants it, wants to go after it. Um, so that's, that's I think, the biggest thing I look for is that drive in players. Um, that's nice. So you would say that your kind of leadership style would be like, kind of like fashion, like the the person has to want to be there, has to be like the, the eyes, like, like, they look to the to the game like they they want to be there. They want to want to play. Yeah. They love the game. Yeah, and I guess just their demeanor and how they come back from mistakes and how they come back from errors and things like that. I mean, do they come back and get more determined? Right? Do they get aced and get back into service even say, "Come in and serve me again," or do they shell up? Right? Do they turn into mm -hmm. 
you know, like really, do they get really scared? Um, that's a big thing that I look for, but um, yeah, just the, the presence on the court and the determination, you know, I like to, my favorite thing is when I have conversations with recruits and they ask me, you know, what's your vision for the program in five years? And, you know, um, you know, what's your setter like? And like, what kind of offense do you like to run? Like, I love when they take, you know, they have a vision for what they want and they're trying to feel me out to see if I have a vision. Um, those are the things that get me excited as a coach, because I know that it's not going to be me just babysitting this player. It's going to be a collaboration of us doing this thing together. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I like that because I feel like, um, many athletes, I don't know, um, with what kind of athletes you work with, but like in so many levels, um, I feel like the athletes, many athletes, they are there just to have fun. And yeah. I don't think that's, that's wrong, you know, but well, we were kind of need to win as well, you know, <laughs> not just having fun, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I like the, that idea of like, a, well, where a coach is here just to help us and not necessarily to just babysit us and yeah. we gotta kind of help each other. Um, do you have any captains in your team? So right now, no, because we only have five guys on the team right now. So <laughs> we're reloading and rebuilding. So we, we probably will. Um, But yeah, not not right now. I don't. I I have a love hate relationship with captains. Um, I think captains serve a purpose at times, but on in some teams it can hinder. It can lead to some other players just taking a backseat role um, instead of you know jumping into leadership positions because they're like, oh, I'm not a captain, so I don't need to do that. Um, so yeah, I'm still I'm still trying to feel out how I feel about captains. Right. No, yeah, I, I like that idea. And I feel like that happens a lot in many teams. I play soccer, so we usually have so many guys. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's hard for for the coach to to manage so many guys in the team, like 20 yeah. or even 30. And sometimes you have like two or three captains, but uh, it's hard to, to keep everyone in the same page. So, yeah, yeah I, I like the idea of maybe not having a captain and making everyone to step up and, you know, kind of be the leader. I, I like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, my question is for, uh, for you now is what do you expect for the next season? I saw that you improved the school record uh, a little bit. So what do you expect for the next season? Yeah, so I just started in January um, at LTU. Um, we didn't have a season this past spring because we were low numbers and because of COVID. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I'm really excited for next season. I think that it's going to be, you know, we're bringing in a whole new team um, because like I said, we had such low numbers. Um, And we're trying to balance that team with some guys with some experience at the college level and some guys who obviously are newcomers, freshmen coming in from the club system. Um, but we're really looking for, you know, like I said before, what I look for in recruiting, guys who have a vision, who want to help build this thing. Um, and so I'm excited because I think we have some of those players coming. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, our conference, as you guys know, well, as Gustavo knows, is very competitive, which is awesome. I think that was one of the main reasons I took this job was because I'm going to get to coach some high-level volleyball uh, against some really high-level teams. Um, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to next season. I think, you know, we're finishing up our recruiting class, but if we're able to, to you know, get the players that we want to get, I think it'll be a lot of fun and really competitive. 
and you think of bringing a lot of new players uh do you think it can be hard for you to have like a, to create a chemistry between them or like a, do you expect of course you expect good results for next season but do you have like a long-term vision as well yeah yeah i think um there's good and bad about bringing in a whole new squad um we do have some players on the team now but um you know there are coaches who take over programs that have a step you know the team's already set but then you deal with issues of buy-in right you deal with your team buying into you and your vision um and doing you know i want to do things the old way the way the coach before wanted us to do it and kind of fighting that battle all the time um with bringing in my own players who i recruit i kind of alleviate that issue a little bit it's you know these guys are here because you know i recruited them they're on board with what the vision is and what we want to do um so that's that's a good thing um what was the second part of your question um i mean how to create chemistry between all of them yeah um a ton of time in the gym together playing six on six yeah. <laughs> and yeah, sure. that's what i love 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 about men's volleyball is uh it's a spring sport whereas in women's volleyball it's a lot tougher you guys we get in you know three four weeks before our first game and you have to create all that chemistry create all that um vibe whereas you know we have a whole semester to do that so um obviously it's it's still still not a ton of time but it's an i think it's a good amount of time to get us going and get us you know vibing on the same page mm -hmm. yeah. so uh moving forward a little bit we are in the nia league it's not the biggest division biggest league in the us but it's growing a lot and in my vision it's getting better each year and what do you think like nia needs to do to get like closer to any seatable way like to, to like to match the level oh interesting you mean like division one division two yeah like any that's a good question <laughs> that's a good question um i think that the i think the biggest difference is you know money in the sports right how much money can we give in scholarships and uh how much money the athletic departments have um you know some of these division one athletic departments have a ton of money and you can see that in their facilities and um just the endowments um so yeah i think you know working with um i think the naia as a whole all the schools in the naia um kind of getting together and you know figuring out ways to boost um you know just funding for all the different all the different schools and just making it i feel like the re the way you do it is get better players in right get better and better players in but you have to make it um attractive to all those players to want to come play here rather than play at the NCAA division one division two level um so yeah it's, it's definitely a challenge but I think I mean it is getting better I think that it's getting especially for men's volleyball I don't know what it's like for men's soccer but for men's volleyball I know it's comparable at places you know there's NAIA teams beating D2 teams all the time mm -hmm. um so yeah yeah um you have international players in your team um so we're recruiting some right now um yeah so i'm i'm excited about that i we don't right now but we will right and and how important you think is to bring um international players because for i play soccer so uh soccer it's completely different around the world and right. comparing to us you know right. so I feel like uh, bringing international people to 
in for a soccer team, it's important because um, they kind of see soccer in a different way, you know, because nobody has college sports. So kind of the competitiveness level that they have in other countries is, is kind of different. So yeah. I think it's important to have these players in the team for soccer, how that works for volleyball. Yeah, I think I'd agree. I think volleyball is played very differently around the globe. Um, you know, they play very differently in China than they do in Brazil, that's for sure. Um, and so I think it's huge to get like international players in um, for, you know, for that reason, just different style of play. But then kind of like what we touched on before in the international, you know, world for volleyball, at least there's no, they don't play college volleyball uh in europe for example right. you know these these players they're playing in you know the professional circuit you know u19 u20 and then you know some of them play professionally um and so being able to bring over players that are in that system that are very um you know professional in the way they go about things right uh, these aren't like 16 17 year old kids coming out of the u.s club system who, again, going back to kind of that babysitting, um, you might get that more often. Whereas bringing in professional players who have an expectation of winning and have an expectation of how things are supposed to be done, um, that can help, you know, that can help shape the culture of our team um, into what, you know, we want it to be. I hope that made sense. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, I agree with you, especially because in Brazil, I always had like my parents helping me, so, I was fine, but like some of my teammates, they didn't help, didn't have help, and they were playing basically for food or for, like for, for like a, like for a job. And so yeah. it's, it's it's nice how to combine like their motivation because how can I compete with this guy that's playing for food and I'm here like to have fun, and then I I have to match with him right. if I want to play, and that's right. nice to increase the level. It's, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, we have some some final questions for you just to wrap it up. Um, question that we always ask and we we wanted to see what people have to say is how you measure success. Yeah, that's a tough one for sure. Yeah. Um, obviously, success for you know us at the NAIA level would be winning the NAIA, winning the WAC, you know, winning the conference tournament, winning the whole thing. Um, that's ultimate success. Um, you know, setting a goal and reaching your goal, that is like the success. Um, but obviously that, you know, even if you're the best team or the best your team can be, you know, you can't control the outside factors. You can't control the other teams that show up. Um, you can't control, you know, a lot of things. And so I think success for me is, you know, we all know as players and as coaches when we're putting in our best, when we are working our hardest, when we aren't, you know, shortchanging ourselves. And so when you're able to put in your best work and get your best work out, even if you lose, right? Even if you lose a game in the fifth set, you know, to the best team in the country, it just doesn't go your way. Like, but you know that, hey, I worked my butt off for the past, whatever it may be, year, six months. Um, I didn't take shortcuts. Um, I'm playing at the highest level I've ever played at because of all this work I put in. Um, I think, you know, knowing, I think knowing that in the back of your mind, you know, that loss isn't going, I mean, it's obviously going to suck because we're athletes and it's going to suck, but it's not going to suck as bad <laughs> than, 
you know, you getting in there and losing, knowing that, hey, I lost because I didn't put in my best or like, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I, there are certain games in my past where I still think about and it like makes me so mad because I'm like, oh my gosh, I was being such a wuss in that game. Like, I remember feeling so, you know, not confident and I missed the serve because I was like, you know, really, really scared to be honest. Or, you know, I went up and I, I tipped the ball on, you know, game point when I should have taken a big swing. Um, and so those kind of things, when, when you, when you can play confidently and take risks and, you know, go all out because you know, you've put the work in, you're confident in your play. Um, so even if you come up short, you're still playing at the best you possibly can. I think that is kind of how I measure success. Um, those games were, you know, I, I was being kind of a wuss. <laughs> those, that, those are not successful games, even if I won the game. Right but I still was kind of not playing, feeling my best. Like, I don't like looking back on that game. Like, it doesn't bring me good memories. Um, you know, I, I like looking at the games when I was playing out of my mind, you know, you're getting that zone, you feel confident, you're rolling, um, but you know, maybe the chips didn't fall your way, but you're still playing confidently at your best. I think that's, that's to me, a successful match. It makes a lot of sense to me because For me, one of the worst feelings is like when I think if I have done something different, like if I have like been more confident or work worked a little bit harder, and then that's that's the worst feeling. So I feel yeah. I agree. I totally agree with you. Like you could lose a game, but you did everything you could to win, but you couldn't. I think it's not fine, but like you can feel a little bit better. So. Right. Totally it's hard honestly I, I find I have a really hard time feeling successful as a coach because as a coach I feel like everything falls back on you you know whether or not if we lost a game and say I cut practice 15 minutes early because you know the guy's legs were shot I'd be like that's why we lost I cut practice 15 minutes early but then if we won that game I'd be like, oh, we won that game because I cut practice 15 months early. So <laughs> it's a devil's advocate. It's really tough. But, um, you know, I think just, you know, putting in your best uh, and, you know, working your butt off and putting in your best and knowing it's your best, that's kind of, that's where I find the most successful moments. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I have one more question for you. I feel that some people, they have like, I don't know, some one person or one quote or one book that they, they read that changed their lives and like the way that they see things. I don't know if you have uh, these experiences. There's someone or something that you want to share that changed your way to seeing the game or seeing life that you want to yeah. share with us? Yeah, well, um, there's one quote that I really love and I always go back to it whenever I'm like feeling like, like I said before, like a wuss. Um, I, it's, it's a, by Teddy Roosevelt and it's very long, but it's the man in, in the arena quote. If you guys want to look it up, um, it's very, it's a very long quote. It's like a paragraph, <laughs> but basically the whole premise of it is, um, it's like the man in the arena and basically it's basically just telling you, you know, get into the arena, like go do the hard things, go fight the battle. Um, and don't worry about all the people who are going to talk about you know, how you should have done this differently or talk about how bad you are, um, you know, just getting in the ring, getting in, you know, doing things in life. That is, you know, that's what true success, how you 
measure true success and how you'll see true success is continuing to get in the ring and continuing to go and do things in life and fail. Um, because there's a lot of people out there who don't, you know, they don't put themselves in those situations at all. Um, and so they don't grow and they don't ever have true success because they're always kind of, you know, playing it safe and sitting back where, you know, I like to, you know, even if I'm really scared and I'm, you know, thinking this is the worst idea, I'm playing like crap, I'm really embarrassed, but at least I'm here, you know, I'm putting in the work, I'm doing my best and there's people out there who don't. And so that's kind of the one quote. It's a really good quote. I'm not doing it justice. So look it up. Um, And then um, Mm -hmm. there's a book that I like to um, have a lot of my teams read um, and just on team culture. And um, I think it's good for building a new program for sure, which is what I'm doing now, but it's called Legacy. Um, and it's about the New Eng- uh, New Zealand, not New England, New Zealand All Blacks, the rugby team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Yeah, yes. yeah. The team that they dance before the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you heard of the book though? No, I, I haven't. The book no, is good. So the sure. book is all about their culture as mm-hmm. as a team and the things they do um, on the team and like they notoriously are never the biggest team or the you know best skilled but they always win like they're notorious for winning because of their culture i think they're just being an all black it kind of just encompasses them as people and um it's just a really i think it's a really great book uh to kind of teach culture um you know they don't do everything right but i think some of the things they do you know gives them the edge over their competition when maybe you know they're not the best or the strongest or the fastest but like just the mindset of the team gets them through some tough things um yeah so that book's really good if you guys want to read up on that one for sure for sure yeah Yeah. um yeah thanks for sharing that i i love what you said about um the mindset of trying new things and you know fail sometimes but growing with that i was just talking to gustavo the other day about the book mindset um yeah. how the authors he mentions like uh, about the growth mindset and the fixed mindset and yeah. that's exactly what you what you said and unfortunately there's so many people that has the the fixed mindset that they don't they don't see um bad results as a opportunity to improve they just see a bad result and they get stuck there and well thanks thanks so much for for sharing that yeah something that we are trying to to share with people that are listening to us watching us and following us on instagram because uh we we have the opportunity to to learn that so we wanted to to help other people as well yeah yeah it's awesome yeah it's not easy but it's a really really good takeaway yeah yeah i really sure. like it when she said like go to the arena and be there if people like talk bad things about you doesn't matter like at least you are there you are like yeah. in your face you are you are yeah. learning because we we say that all the time we never lose <laughs> like or we win or we learn so yeah yeah that's something that, that you yeah, i find it really hard sometimes as a college coach to be like a fan of college sports like a lot of people in my family watch a lot of college football And, uh, you know, they'll all sit on the couch and be like, oh, why did you do that? Or like, ah, what is he doing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? This kid has been practicing like 
for four years. Like all he does is play football and you're going to sit here on the couch telling him like, he's doing <laughs> yeah. like are you kidding me? Like, right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, but yeah, thanks so much for, for taking the time to talk yeah. with us. I think a lot of people will enjoy listening to all your experience and ideas. We really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks guys. This is great. It was fun. Yeah, it was great. I'm pretty sure it was great. And yeah, thank you so much. When I talked to you for the first time, I knew that you would be like a potential guest speaker for <laughs> us because yeah, you were so nice and always looking for knowledge and learn new things. And our, I was trying to share knowledge. And yeah, so thank awesome. you so much for giving your time to be with us. Yeah, this is great. I'm, I'm happy to be on it. This is a cool, cool idea. And I hope you guys keep it going. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much. We uh, we hope you guys have a, a good season. Yeah, Thanks. me too. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Bye bye. bye.